Welcome to Figs and Familia, a podcast that will share stories of the Italian-American experience. My name is Tanya Russo-Hamilton, and for our first episode, I am welcoming a very special guest, Tony Russo, who also happens to be my father. As a child growing up, I always knew my father was from Naples, Italy, but it wasn't until I was an adult that I started piecing together his story. He's always been a storyteller, and the stories would be told in segments. It finally hit me that he had been sent alone on a ship as a 10-year-old boy. I was astonished to find this out and honestly couldn't believe it. He was told by his parents, don't worry, there will be people in America to take care of you. And he was assigned a babysitter for the voyage that lasted all but an hour into the journey. He was truly alone and after eight days at sea in the bowels of the SS Independence, he disembarked in New York Harbor on August 15, 1951. From there, his story unfolds. When this light was shed for me, I began a series of interviews with my father. Each interview turned into a chapter in the book, Wrestling with the Devil, a story of sacrifice, survival, and triumph from the Hills of Naples to the Hall of Fame. People have questioned me about the title. Wrestling with the Devil is twofold. From the moment my father stepped foot onto that ship, he began wrestling with the devil, figuratively. And as you can imagine, to say he struggled, would be an understatement. As he came of age in America, lacking the language, lacking the cultural norms, and even lacking the academic skills of his peers, he had one default survival mechanism, fighting. Fighting got him noticed, especially at school and not in a good way. Fast forward to high school and Tony ended up on the wrestling team. In wrestling, fighting was legal. Wrestling became the literal outlet for excising his demons. It was this sport that gave him a chance, and it was the people and coaches who believed in him who gave him the opportunities to succeed. But this story is not about wrestling. It's about the courage and the will to survive, and the willingness to take risks and rise above the beliefs or expectations that others hold of you, and to achieve your goals regardless of the obstacles. Brene Brown, author of the book Daring Greatly and several other inspirational titles, says, Owning our story can be hard, but not nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from it. Embracing our vulnerabilities is risky, but not nearly as dangerous as giving up on love and belonging and joy, the experiences that make us the most vulnerable. Only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. With that, I'm thrilled to present Wrestling with the Devil, a story of sacrifice, survival, and triumph. From the Hills of Naples to the Hall of Fame, read by the author, Tony Russo. Hello, my name is Antonio Russo, better known as Tony. Before I begin reading, I would like to express my thanks to my daughter, Tanya, for doing such an outstanding job in putting all the stories together that were told in this book. I also would like to inform our listeners of the sacrifices and hard work and all the obstacles our parents and grandparents had to endure to make a better life for their families and themselves. Their ultimate goal would always be to see if they could get to America, the land of opportunity. Obstacles cannot crush me. Every obstacle yields to stern resolve. 
He who is fixed to a star does not change his mind. Leonardo da Vinci The Russo children and grandchildren have long been listening to me tell stories about my childhood in Italy. My journey to the United States and my experiences in the sport of wrestling. Even though I always changed the name of the characters, I always fell into the trap of ending the story with, would you like to see my scars? I never took very long for them to figure out that it was me. Wrestling with the Devil has been born as a result of these stories in hopes of inspiring others by sharing the struggles I endured and would eventually overcome. Being sent away from the only home and country I knew, crossing the Atlantic alone as a child, kicked my 10-year-old psych into survival mode. Along the way, more than once, my life story would have easily taken an undesirable turn. And many times it did, I did start down a path the wrong direction. Somehow, something kept me grounded. A driving force kept me focused, and that is what happened began to define my life. Looking back now, it's easy to see what it was. My roots deeply seated in the old world, the importance of family, discipline, and hard work. When you work hard, good things happen. One of my mother's favorite quotes has been branded in my subconscious and rises to the surface almost every single day. She was right. I have spent the last few years digging deeper and recounting my experiences in detail in the form of interviews conducted by my daughter. Many of the stories which on the surface may have appeared funny and lighthearted as presented to my family actually cut deeply. And over the years I have battled the demons as they have reared their ugly heads one by one. We all have demons to battle through the, uh, the journeys of our lives, and it is my hope that by sharing my conflicts as well as my triumphs, it will make a difference for anyone who has ever had doubts or has ever thought about giving up. Obstacles cannot crush me. Like most celebrated occasion in a large Italian family, weddings, holidays, the aftermath Sunday meal, my arrival into this world on October 8, 1940, was, enough, was nothing short of loud and uproarious. The gathering was complete with thick, hard, crusted bread, salad made from tomatoes and onions fresh from the earth, and my family's drink of choice, red wine. Rocca da Inola, Italy, affectionately known as Rocca, a small province stricken town referred to by some of the arm by some that was called the armpit of the Mediterranean is also the place of my birth. A town in the province of Naples, it's located about 24 miles to the northeast of the city and its citizens proudly old world Italians. My father's family, the Russos, were hardly able to contain the anticipation of the arrival of their first grandchild. My grandfather especially, knowing in the Italian tradition that if a boy 
this would be his namesake. The Russos were reserved in personality and tall in stature, both the typical by Southern Italian standards. My father Aniello was nearly six feet tall and my, unless under the spell of his beloved red wine or relentlessly provoked, he was quite reserved. Joining the Russos on the day of my birth were the Casorios, my mother's prodigious family. Teresa, my mother, had 11 siblings and births were commonplace up and down the Casorio side. They were effervescent, joyful, and loud, near brilliant in their ability to eat and talk simultaneously, and inordinately passionate. They could be conversing about anything, but it all sounded the same, like an argument. The Casarios were compact and volpless in shape, and their trademark was their thick, dark, wavy, hair. My mother's was especially striking with a one-inch albino stripe that framed the right side of her face and set off the rest of her jet black hair. Stories abound of my multitude the bustling cousin running around and in our small piazza chasing one another, playing soccer and stirring up dirt while the local midwife assisted in my debut. My father drank wine and nervously climbed up and down the steep, narrow staircase that lined the archaic, crumbling mortar buildings that was our home. Several times he knocked on the door to check on the birth in progress, and each time the midwife called out, Il bambino noem arrivato ancora, letting him know I had not yet arrived. When he, she finally stepped outside and told my father he had his son, my father, his face as red as the wine he had been drinking, raised both arms to the sky and announced to all the courtyard, Mio figlio arrivato, my son is here. Being the firstborn son of my parents and the firstborn grandchild on the Russo side, I was named after my grandfather, Antonio from San Antonio, Saint, Saint Anthony, the Catholic patron saint of miracles and, and a gentle of all saints. This was a common name in our region of Italy and our small town had especially large collection of Antonios. Russo, my surname, is the Southern Italian version of the name Rossi, which comes from the word Russo, meaning red. I spent my earliest years living in the same home as my paternal grandparents, our piazza bursting with aunts, uncles, and their children. My mother returned to work nearly the day after I was born, handing me off to her sister Lucia for feedings. Aunt Lucia added me to her brood while my mother and father worked during the days, bringing in what little income they could. My father farmed the fields and delivered goods, and my mother was a laborer in a cherry cannery, where, as the story goes, she began, she begged and began employment at the age of 10. My grandparents, especially my grandma Napi Russo, played the primary role in the early years of my upbringing. Grandma Napi, olive-skinned and tiny, without an ounce of fat, 
had endless energy and for her size was amazingly strong. I used to track into the hills by her side to help her gather hazelnuts and olive limbs for the oven and the fireplace. When she picked up the branches, I could see the muscle definition in her biceps and her forearms, and her strength astonished me as she carried the branches tied on, into bundles on top of her head. I was in nominated with my grandma and Nappy, and it was a special treat for me to stay up late in the evening and sit by her side in front of the fire, roasting chestnuts and hazelnuts. Her head was always wrapped with a vibrant scarf. The glow of the fire set off her white hair alongside edges and highlighted the deep lines set like sideways smiles in each side of her tanned face. When I wasn't hanging on her grandma's lappy skirt, I spent most of my time playing and running barefoot around our piazza and in the countryside my, with my cousins. Years later, I realized I had arrived in the world during the deadliest conflict in human history, World War II, and right in the backyard of Naples, the most heavily bombed Italian city in those years. Although I was young, the war left deep impressions on my psyche. During the quiet times when the air raids had mostly ended, we walked to and fro, our, and fro from these farm, farmland, passing American soldiers who had set up posts at the local silos. They handed chocolate bars to my cousins and me, yelling out, Ciao, ragazzi! La mia famiglia venne di Napoli! Their families had come from Naples, and now they were fighting in the war as American soldiers. We could not get enough of that chocolate. All of us laughing and running around, loving the attention and the, dis the delectable treats. The bomb-tattered buildings full of scrap metal and shrapped picked our curiosity. Fragmented weapons were unearthed, treasures just waiting to be found. One day, my friend, friend Miguela and I spent hours exploring and the, in a dilapidated building. Our parents had warned us about what was, wasn't safe, that the, they told us stories about when uh, children got hurt or killed by leftover grenades that detonated unexpectedly. Our curiosity far overweighed our fear and common sense, though, and before we knew it, our feet were scrapped up from the metal fragments, scraped up badly. After one misstep on a jagged piece of metal, I had a deep slice on the inside of my right foot from my heel up to my ankle. I bled profusely and paid twice for my foolery that day. Once while walking home, each step delivering excruciating pain and then later receiving a tetanus shot and stitches. During the dark times, my family ran f for our lives. Grandma Noppy dragged me along. Fa presto, she would yell, squeezing my hand so tight that it would hurt. The, mom the bombers were humming loudly overhead 
and the sight of hundreds of them cast like a black shadow against the sky terrified me. My racing heart nearly pounded out of my chest as we ran from cover, my grandfather holding the large wooden door open as we climbed deep into the dark earth down a winding staircase into our shared wine cellar below. I, it had been down there before, I had been down there before, but when Grandma would go fill the jugs of wine for the family. This, fascina this fascinating and mysterious place under the earth, Sota Terra, scared but also intrigued me. The wine barrels, enormously round and stacked on top of each other halfway to the ceiling, towered over Grandma Nappi's tiny frame, and the potent aroma of red wine was dizzying. During the bombings, with my entire family gathered in the cellar, I would crouch down, close my eyes, and cover my ears. My own heartbeat pounded through anyway, except when the deafening explosions came the noise freely piercing my impoverished attempt to shut it out. Time passed in this fashion for months on end, and the jubilant days that finally marked the end of the war became a grand celebration with the crowds gathering in the streets, chanting and singing, Mussolini è morto, Mussolini è morto, Mussolini is dead. We just heard from Tony Russo reading from Wrestling with the Devil, Chapter 1, and we are lucky enough to have him here today. Um, welcome, Nino. Hi. Glad to be here. Thanks for being here. I was just going to explain to everybody um, listening why I call you Nino, so I'll do that real quick, and then I have some questions for you about Chapter 1. Okay. So, Nino is a term of endearment, the grandkids... I'll call you Nino, and it's kind of a variation on the word Nono, which is Italian for grandfather. So when I refer to Tony as Nino, that's where that comes from. I want to start by asking you a question, and um, something that happens in chapter one that's fascinating to me is you were told by the grown-ups around you not to go exploring in the shrapnel and scrap metal left around from the war um, but you decided to do that anyway and you went with a friend and you you got hurt I was wondering if you could elaborate on that and tell us a little bit more of that story uh, yeah uh, well <clears throat> my friend and I Michaela Mike for short in, a, in American um, we uh, were always out and about in the uh, hillsides and the uh, um, dilapidated buildings and um, uh, and we were very intrigued by uh, you know the, the artifacts that were left from the war and uh, uh, so you know we were scavenger hunting all the time unfortunately we were barefooted <laughs> oh. I didn't have any shoes so we you know we did it in our bare feet mm -hmm. and so um, we were uh, 
going through some area, an area where there had been some heavy fighting, it looked like. Uh, there were some uh, pieces of, uh, looked like rifles and bayonets and uh, scrap metal laying around. And so we got excited, and I got excited. And uh, as uh, I ran toward to pick something up, I felt something slice my foot. Ooh, ouch. And that metal uh, um, penetrated and cut my, my uh, heel all the way up to my uh, side of my ankle. Uh, and um, uh, I was um, pretty shook by that, but uh, anyway, we got my Mike. Mike uh, got me, helped me to get home, and uh, the rest of it, you know, stitches, <laughs> tetanus shot, and uh, uh, it wasn't fun. And I probably should have listened to my parents in the first place, <laughs> not to go around because of the danger that was involved. Right. Um... Well, it must be pretty like intriguing to a child. Something that I had researched when we were writing the book, um, when I was interviewing you, I found out that Naples was actually, if not the most, one of the most heavily bombed cities in World War II. And you actually lived just outside of Naples in a small town, right? Yeah, And right. Um, you were telling me stories of seeing those planes fly overhead and having to go down in wine cellars. Right. Can you maybe tell us a little bit more about that? Well, most of our area, people in our area, the piazza there, that mostly, you know, a lot of relatives and friends were, scat were, were scampering, uh, trying to find places to, uh, to be safe. And uh, as I remember, you know, and I, of course I was a kid, uh, my grandma grabbing my hand and, and uh, running toward where they, uh, uh, they kept their wine barrels deep under, you know, underground right. and, and cellars. And so we would run down there every time we heard uh, the um, air raid. And uh, and then of course the the noise and the bombing and that kind of stuff. Uh, there were several times where we were outside and had to run into fields or the side of a hill a hillside, and uh, you know and I could see these. They look, they look like birds to me in in the overhead wow. and flashing of light that booms you know that exploded, uh, and uh, it was it was quite frightening yeah uh, but you know again we were trying to find a safety we would run to safety like I said not always down in the cellars but it depended where we were sometimes right. we were out in the fields and just kind of go hide in the corn or something like that or you know uh, wow. in a patch of uh, uh, garden stuff wherever we could hide from that wow that is just yeah. really scary um, that brings me to the quote at the beginning of the book. I mean, obviously, you had a lot of obstacles to overcome in this story, and we'll talk about more of them. And being in the war, I mean, is one of them. Um, so I know you read this to us, but I was going to read it again and then just ask you about it. So the quote at the beginning of the book by Leonardo da Vinci, it says, Obstacles cannot crush me. 
every obstacle yields to stern resolve. He who is fixed on a star does not change his mind. Leonardo da Vinci. I was just wondering if you could tell us what that means to you, how that kind of fits the theme of this story. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, um, I didn't know this quote when I was, was younger, uh, you know, right. running around, running around Italy, um, our area. But later on, as I think of it, you know, and, and discovered it, uh, I think about what my parents ingrained into me and, um, and, you know, the hard work they did and what I had to do at the time when I was, you know, seven, eight years old, I, right. I didn't know any better. But uh, I realized after a while that, uh, hey, you know, yeah, we struggled. We were poor. Uh, we had, uh, uh, you know, minimal food we ate off the land. Right. And so th those are the things that are ingrained in my, my to this day, in my mind. That uh, you know, you don't let you don't let stuff get in your way. You don't let something stop you because, uh, because it, you know it it it's hard. Right. Uh, in my opinion, you have to fight through a lot of those things, and uh, and you know, my mom always said uh, the hard work is something that will always pay off, and it did, mm -hmm. and. Uh, in my years of competing and, and going to school and not knowing if I could even do that, uh, you know, the thing about getting fixed to a goal, right? getting fixed to a commitment, and uh, got me thinking. And I, I always flash back to this quote. Uh, I, 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 you got a goal. You don't, yeah. you don't let it stop you. You continue. You set your sights on that. And sooner or later, it's going to happen. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is so true and inspirational. Um, I just wanted to share. So one of my motivations for doing this podcast is that I feel really strongly about the importance of stories, making a difference for people, and people can connect to stories, and they help change lives. Um, and they don't have to have the same story about immigration. It could be anything that they're struggling with. I'm remembering a book talk that we did at a school about your book and a student came to me and said she could relate to your story because um, she was struggling with a degenerative medical condition and she said, I can overcome these things and, and this gives me the inspiration and gives me some inspiration. I was wondering, you had told me in our interviews that you always started your practices with a story. And some of your practices you would start with stories. And I was just wondering if you could tell me, like, why did you do that? And how did your athletes respond and connect to the stories that you would tell them before practice? Well, uh, you know, um, Tanya, be because every day after school, Kids come into your room and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, they're, they've been uh, drained with, with uh, homework or whatever they had to go through the school day. And so, uh, uh, you know, just to, just to uh, 
uh, I would sit them all down just mm -hmm. just to, to relax them a bit. And then I would go on, you know, telling them something about, uh, you know, how important it is to come in with an open mind. Right. And, and, and uh, if you take one thing from each practice that we do uh, home with you and you put it into effect, mm -hmm. that you, you will improve every single day. You know, wow. you know, and I right. would tell them stories about, you know, what happened to me or what happened to me in college or what uh, my coach told ingrained into me mm -hmm. about never feel bad about your accomplishments. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, there's times when you, you you're not going to win everything. You're not going to uh, uh, be successful right away. Right. So you have to be uh, persistent. You have to be uh, enduring, you know. Right. That that um, uh, and so those are the things that I would tell them, and then you know maybe tell a little pun, funny story, and then uh, I relaxed them at first, and then uh, after that uh, start in and and work them hard, and they never thought about it. Uh, uh, not working hard, you know, because that's what makes you successful. Right. That's great. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, I'm looking forward to the next chapter and we'll talk about some things in that coming up on our next episode. So okay. yeah, thank you for being here and we look forward to hearing from you um, about chapter two. Okay. That's okay. my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to our first episode of Figs and Familia. We will be publishing one episode every Sunday, and our next episode will be on next Sunday, October 18th. If you have a message or a question for myself or Tony, please go to our podcast homepage and you can leave us a voice recording or email us at figsandfamilia at gmail.com. We will do our best to answer every question. Looking forward to next week. Thanks, everyone. Ciao.